a voice sweet like a butterfly, a tongue that stings like a honeybee, your sister love extraordinaire, aka Red Sonia, the song bee. Welcome to another episode of Sister Love Untethered and Under the Radar podcast. You can support this podcast by hitting the share button, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play. You can also make a donation by visiting Patreon forward slash Sister Love. Leave a comment on Facebook Sister Love Extraordinaire page. Tell us your pH level for the week. And check out the H3 blog, that's Humor, Health, Happiness, at h3life.blogspot.com. So, let's get this thing rocking. It's like there's this whole revolution going on. And I think, you know, with the whole world just uprising together, this is the time when I feel like change is coming We've been fighting for decades. Our ancestors have been fighting. And now I feel like this is the time. This is, it is a momentous time. And it's, you could just feel, you know, how rapidly it has been. Things have picked up all around the planet, which is, that makes it exciting. First, it starts from pain, anger, hurt, and it spreads like a virus. I mean, it spreads and people want... It, is, it, it literally, it's a pandemic right now. This is the new pandemic. It is a pandemic. That's actually perfectly said. It's like uh, pandemonium. It's, yes. you know, uh, from uh, paranoia to pandemonium to pan-awareness to yes. pan-Africanism to pan-globalism. This is a pandemic movement. Right? <laughs> well, well said, sister. Well said. I mean, I was reading in news yesterday, like places like Norway were protesting. And just these, like, you know, I won't say strange European cities, but not really known for really kind of galvanizing in such a way over this a black cause. And I was just like, Wow, this is resonating around the world. Exactly. And like this nothing is... I've ever seen, like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. I know. So let's, well, let's do a little breakdown on it though, you know? And so since we're going to go into it and for our, our listeners and just our take on it. So uh, listen, just real ch- quick check in. So this happened on the 25th of May, uh, just three days before my birthday. So I just want to know. How are you doing? How are you doing up to that moment? And, you know, your pH level henceforth. Up until that moment, I was actually doing really well. I feel like I was in good spirits. My pH levels from a naught to five were probably at a four. You know, a three and sometimes I was having a day or two where I was, you know, my mood wasn't that great. And that's fine. It's just how it goes sometimes. Um, so, yeah, up until that point, I was um, I was doing OK. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. And how about you? Thanks. Uh, well, you know, I think that I was kind of l- working up to my birthday uh, just mm-hmm. prior to that. My birthday being the 28th and. I was feeling kind of a little stressed out, a little, uh, uh, a little, uh, I want to say, 
neglected simply maybe because of the whole COVID thing. And, you know, here I am coming upon a birthday and I started going into these thoughts that I never really do much for myself. And now I can't even celebrate with friends and go out and, you know, or even just have dinner or something. So, uh, and then, so I was really just kind of, uh, over the border between, you know, on a three up and down. Yeah. But, and then this happened on the 25th and, you know, I, and I, I'm on a WhatsApp group, so I get a lot of stuff before it even gets to media because things are viral, right? Yes. Things happen on a viral level. And that's the, really the remarkable thing about social media now Yes, that, you know, and I got that in uh, my WhatsApp and it was upsetting. I'm like, because, you know, there was a, a young African-American, Ahmad, and I think we might have mentioned his name like two weeks or so prior to that. We did, Who yes. was jogging. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, not again. Exactly and how I felt. It's a gut feeling, and it's upsetting, mm-hmm. and it just hit me mm-hmm. right in my gut. So mm-hmm. I'm not feeling pretty good, you know, leading up to my birthday because if this is the 25th and I already was feeling some type of way and now you've got days on the news now it's bombarded daily you know that up to and henceforth you know into well into June and today is actually his uh, funeral celebration in Houston I was, I was watching it just before we got on to speak to each yeah, other as we're speaking last two hours. Yeah. you're right as we're mm-hmm. speaking right now mm-hmm. And uh, I did see a little bit of it, and I'll catch some of it later. But uh, and uh, so you know, with that being said, uh, right now I'm doing a little I'm a little better today, so I'm mm-hmm. a little better at a four. But in my spirit, mm-hmm. I have you know, it's like that uh, churning in my heart, that almost that nausea feeling sometimes. Uh, and I've actually gone in and out of feeling a little nausea, you know, but you know, uh, and, and for a variety of reasons actually. And, um, but, uh, today I'm a lot better uh, in spirit. And I would say what made me even start to feel a little better when I realized how this thing was spreading like a grass fire in a dry, dry brush, you know? And that's the thing is that this is a new wake up time. It is. It's so powerful. And it's, it's powerful so because powerful. we're talking about a new generations. We're talking about there's been three major riots in the States, right? We know from the Watts riots and then I think 1965, roughly after, uh, I think it was after the death of Martin Luther King or something like that. But anyway, <coughs> excuse me, and then, <coughs> then the 90s in Los Angeles. Oh, that's right. The Rodney King. The Rodney King. And thank God, yes. because somebody happened to start taping that. Just think right. about these things have been going on all along. I know. But it had it been for the advance of technology and cell phones, we're all reporters now. We are. We're all journalists. Yeah, yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the other significant thing about what's happened, and particularly in this case with um, George Floyd, is the fact that we've all been locked down on COVID throughout this COVID business, okay? We've all been on lockdown. So what have we been doing? We've all been turning to social media for our outlet, right? Let's see what's going on. And I think that's what's galvanized people, and that's what's mobilized people, 
is to just like this, watching this eight minutes and 46 seconds of this man losing his life. And it's just, people know it's wrong and they have to do something. And if it means you get up and you carry a banner and you protest, then do that. If it means you jump on social media and do Blackout Tuesday, mm. then do that. Play mm. your part in this, um, you know, in this whole movement. Everyone, it's, it's so important that everyone plays their part. So so let's just do like a little background. So just to, just a catalyst to this. So we know May 25th, he, uh, uh, George Floyd, is in uh, Minneapolis, uh, I guess St. Paul, Minneapolis, or Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And they're protesting right now, so uh, here in Oakland, because we may get a recording of uh, the helicopters in the background, because I just heard it. (laughs) But uh, so he was uh, actually, you know, accosted by a policeman allegedly he was leaving a store and he had somebody in a car with him. He was the driver and allegedly he uh, was uh, accosted for a so-called 20... First they said it was a check. This is where it gets all ambiguous Mm. about the story. First they said Mm. it was uh, for counterfeit or uh, writing a bad check and then it was for a counterfeit $20 bill. Mm. So that the truth will come out and be hashed out, I guess, in court either way. And as a response, this officer and um, the policeman uh, is Derek Chauvin or Chauvin. That's him. Yeah. That he decides to. And there happen to be three other officers standing around. But they harass him. It looks like in the video, they pull him to the side and they're going back and forth. Somehow, how do they get him from standing on the sidewalk to getting him almost under the the car car and Mm. the handcuffs on him and Mm. with uh, his his knee on his neck? Now, as a Mm. result of those eight minutes and 40 seconds, the man who who repeatedly screamed out. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You know, I can't breathe. He said it repeatedly. There's someone on the side. Thank God to the, uh, the person who was the hero, the witness who recorded Mm. this on the standing on the sidewalk. Other people are witnessing this yelling out, you know, Hey man, you know, does it take all that? Get them up, you know, different things until they finally, uh, his last breath and before his last breath do you know that he called out for his mother I do know that yeah and that was the heartbreaking. heartbreaking part for me and then to later on discover that his mother actually passed away two years ago so she's not even alive right. so that shows you the extent of where he was at and what was going on for him in his last moments you know calling out for somebody uh, I, I just I just it just beggars belief to me. I know. You know. But the other thing, I just want to backtrack on what you were saying mm-hmm. about um, the officer shoving that had his his knee in uh, George Floyd's neck. neck. Yeah. The other two officers were around the other side of the car, and they both had their knees on his legs and his back. Mm. So this man had no room to breathe. He had nowhere to go. It was clear he was not resisting any type of arrest. I've seen some 
about two or three or four different pieces of footage. I don't know whether it's all taken by the same person, mm -hmm. but at no point do I see him struggling. At no point do I see him resisting. At no point do I see him, you know, not cooperating. Right. And so I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, it doesn't show you where from sort of standing up and having the handcuffs put on right. to being around the side of the car with this man's knee in his neck. So I don't know kind of how that part happened because that's not clear on the footage that I've seen, certainly, anyway. It's almost like they need him to death. They did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Crazy. They literally sucked the life out of him. I mean, right. even on one of the... Uh, if you look carefully at some of the footage as well, you can see where he's actually, like, literally wet himself. And you can clearly see that, where he's wet himself, mm. because, mm. you know, he's probably just petrified. Well, yeah. And then, you know, the, oh, wow. I mean, just the details, but I think that eight minutes, let's just pray to God that eight minutes and 40 seconds, uh, will change the world. And, you know, so I, I you know, I just want to share a little bit about uh, George, uh, George Floyd. So he was born in 1973, October 14th in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And he's one of five kids. George, I'm not sure of his weight, but he was, uh, they all, all his family said, okay, every, everybody knew he always exceeded everyone. He's six, four. Yes, he was a tall man. He was a tall he, man. Yes. And uh, he was, and they all characterized him as being a, a, a gentle giant. So yeah. apparently, born in Fayetteville, North Carolina, at some point he was raised in Houston, which is where he apparently spent the majority of his life as an adult. That's and, right. And that's why the funeral was being held there, uh, his final resting place in Houston. But while in Houston... He uh, began in about 2014, I guess he really needed to uh, f pursue work. And somehow he uh, ended up in Minneapolis for a second chance. And that second chance was after serving four years of prison. And I believe that was also in Houston. And that was for armed robbery. So that was, let's say, 2009. So by 2014, let's just say it's about six years ago, right? Because that's what I heard. Two, yeah, six years ago. That's six years ago. So it sounds like, yeah. So I'm just reading off of taken from Wikipedia, just you know the main points. But it sounds like, so he made a mistake. He had to go be rehabilitated. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> I guess I need a little coffee. But anyway, and then he ended up in 2014 in Minneapolis for his second chance. <clears throat> he went there to find work as a truck driver and a bouncer. <clears throat> so apparently just this year, he lost his security job and because of the COVID pandemic. And I believe the man that he was working for has spoken many times on... Uh, <clears throat> on uh, on media saying that he worked for him and I think he did uh, security or, or I was a bouncer but anyway <coughs> so then that's when up until 2020 this particular day 
they said that he uh, allegedly used counterfeit money to buy cigarettes. Here we go. When else didn't we hear cigarettes? Mm. Remember, yeah, I, I've heard that. The mm. cigarette, but the cigarette reminds mm. me of Eric Garner in New York when they oh, right. jumped yes. on him for allegedly selling one single cigarette. They jumped mm. on him and they took his life and they smothered him when he kept repeating the same thing, I can't breathe. Wow. Cigarettes. But anyway, mm. so ultimately, but the bottom line is that, you know, this is a man who he had a child, a daughter, we know that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, a family and people that loved him. Uh, uh, allegedly, he apparently was 223 pounds and and basically just, you know, trying to straight his, get his life straight and, mm-hmm. and live his life. <coughs> Excuse me. Until this officer decided to take eight minutes and 46 seconds to uh, keep his knee on his neck. Now, something worth mentioning about Derek Chauvin, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation of his name. In some of the research that I've done, <clears throat> it was basically saying that their paths had crossed in the past. Oh, yes. Talk so about that. I heard so a little bit about that. Um, Derek Chauvin was, um, he's been with the police force for many, many years. I want to say 17 years, but don't quote me on it. But he was also moonlighting as a uh, security, I believe, at at a nightclub. And so too was um, George Floyd. And they both apparently worked at that same nightclub of that gentleman that you just mentioned. So at some point, they would have known each other and their paths would have crossed. Hmm. So who knows whether the officer had some kind of grievance or... You know, he, he must have been aware of who he was because he's a tall, you know, a tall man. You can't miss somebody like that who's six foot four and 230 pounds. Right. He stands out, I'm sure. He stands out. Huh. Yeah, I tend to believe that there's there's some history behind that. And we just don't know what that history is, but there's something. There's something there, isn't there? Yeah. There's something for him to have done that. And the thing is, and, and the other thing that really alarms me is he was, Derek Chauvin was very much aware that he was being videoed. And at no point. <laughs> I mean, I don't, pardon me, I don't no mean to laugh, point, but you're right. But at no, I know, but at no point did he, did that ever, you know, stop him from doing what he was doing. Hmm. Because this man had had, 18 charges against him. Right. Sorry, not charges. 18 complaints, complaints against him. And only two of those uh, those complaints actually resulted in an outcome. The other 16 <coughs> were probably just like swept under the carpet. So this man has been known hmm. to do this something on this kind of level mm. or do things that is, uh, you know, out of the line of duty. Right. Wow. So there's no hiding this time because the world wants you, you, uh, you've been charged, but the world wants you convicted at this point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So with, you know, so days on after that, I don't recall, I take it the first protest obviously was in 
uh, Minneapolis where this occurred. Um, and then, you know, I think uh, immediately, I'm not sure the first place that picked up after that, but from day, therefore, day after day, I mean, New York, L.A., Oakland, Chicago, you know, uh, you just name it. Yeah. In all places in between. And I mean... Seattle I saw as well. Seattle, Portland. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even smaller towns, you know. And then, so hopping over to, you know, to the UK, to... Oh, we have been protesting. I mean, I went to a protest last Wednesday in oh. Hyde Park, which is a big massive park in the centre of London. Right. For people that have been to London, they, they've probably visited Hyde Park. It, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So there was that. There's an area there called Speakers Corner. So there's always been, you know, it's a well-known area mm. for protests and, and stuff like that. So that was the gathering point, and. Um, I mean, what was really amazing, it was it was a lot of young people, which was really, really nice to see. But I think, I, I feel like there was more white people than black people, which was also really lovely. Mm. That, you mm. know, a lot of white, you know, young people, older people, all came out to support this cause. And it was really powerful. That's really, you know what, that's it's really, really nice powerful. to see. Yeah, and and then this weekend there's been two more protests, and 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 now it's just sort of like gone up and down the country in the UK. So all the major cities, Manchester, Birmingham, um, Bristol, Glasgow, you know, they've been protesting up and down the country. But it's also brought up other issues right. around, um, you know, these statues, statues and plinths, oh, and all of yeah. this kind of stuff. Right. That, that are commemorating um, slave traders. So mm. at the weekend, the protest in Bristol, they pulled down the plinth, uh, the statue of a guy called Edward Colson, hmm. who mm-hmm. was very big huh. in okay. the slave trade. Yeah. And they dumped his um, statue in the harbour. Now, since then, obviously... The UK uh, is a bit concerned that these other statues are all going to be ripped down. But what our mayor has done, he has called for an urgent meeting into looking into actually removing some of these plaques because wow. it's a bit dangerous what they actually stand for. Right. So, so the tell UK. Colston, how, how are you spelling the last name? Edward Colston, C O L S T O N. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to look that up. And yeah. I know, come on now, look how, basically, how many Europeans and eventually expats, you know, colonists, and all, and also, you know, from Portugal to Spain to, you name it, that became rich and wealthy from yes. the, the, the slave, trade. slave trade. This yeah. is where we are 400 years later. Yeah. The wealth yeah. that is not equally distributed was on the backs of our ancestors. Absolutely. There's so many layers to this. Yeah. I just pray that this is the beginning of real change. Oh gosh. I, I really, in my, in my gut, I feel like it is. Cause I just feel like I've never seen this type 
of mobilization around mm. the world. I've never seen this in my lifetime. No. And, no. and I feel like, you know, with all this, there's been deaths happening and happening, not just in the USA, the UK is not innocent in all of this either, because we've had deaths of young black men right. and black men in, at the hands of police, in police custody, and they've died under suspicious circumstances. So, you know, as much as we're, we've been protesting for what's going on in the United States, we are also protesting for what's been going on here as well. Well, you know, one of the impacts that's amazing now, because some of the politicians all around the world, from here to the UK, to Parliament, to the White House, to Congress, have all been getting on their knees and are, are spending four minutes of silence, you know, right. and they're doing it in a public way because they want the, the, other, the world to see, in other words, yes. that BLM, Black Lives Matter, Yes. So I I think that's amazing. I think it's a good move and it's a good play. But how much is it, is. It pandering? I, I mean, yeah, I, that's what, what I was just going to say. It's got to be for the right reasons. It's not just going to got to be because in November you've got, you know, the votes coming up and this kind of exactly. thing. You know, and you want to win the black vote, you know, and then not do good for the black people. Right. No. It's got to be for the right reasons. I think it is great. And I, I saw some images of the um, the Minnesota mayor. I forget his first name, something Frey or Fry, mm. um, where he, he was marching with the protesters, but they were booing him over this, um, you know, something to do with the Minneapolis uh, Oh, that's the mayor. Of Fry. Yeah, Fry, that's what I said. And you know what? I'm going to say something now. I I just, in in Fry's defense, because everything that I've seen up to this point, I like that man. Yeah, I do as well. He clearly is a man of compassion. That's what I'm seeing. He was one of the first people to really speak out, wasn't he? And he spoke so vividly. And you can see he was very emotional. Exactly. He was very emotional. So you knew it was coming from the the heart. This wasn't just him, you know, like reading off of some script and it didn't mean anything. It was definitely, you know, what he had to say was coming from the heart and it was very true. Right. Right. So I was quite upset to hear that they were like booing him and things like that. I thought, you know, it it, it was, you know, they were relentless because they're trying to pressure him. <clears throat> Excuse me, the mayor Jacob Frey, Frey I guess, F F R E Y. They're trying to pressure him to dismantle the police department. Now, I understand. I think it's just happened, hasn't it? Hasn't it happened now? Uh well, it's 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 been uh it's been suggested by uh, what is it? I want to say by their their local city council actually uh, voted to dismantle. Now, there's one thing to divest and defund versus dismantling. So, right, okay. yeah. So uh, they, you know, the protesters wanted him to uh, defund and dismantle, and he said he's not going to dismantle a, a entire police department. Defunding or diverting funds, <clears throat> which is happening with other uh, uh, cities. I think New York is now, and, and Los Angeles uh, is, they're looking at, you know, taking, diverting a lot of funds from, you know, um, uh, maybe millions of dollars, you know, to community programs. But uh, the mayor, Frey, uh, 
he said, you know, he's not willing to do that. And they heckled him and they booed him. And I think that, you know, at this point, I think it's still what's really going to happen is still Mm kind of lingering. Uh, I'm sure he's going to do something, but I don't think that they should uh, just totally you know, just stab this mayor, <laughs> you know, just no, kill no, him on him. Because no. this man, he's a good, I think he's a good man. And they, yeah. they, they what they need is to have a representative uh, few, very few, to to mm-hmm. talk, to have conversations, the round table, and the negotiation what's going to be fair and forthright moving forward along yes. with, you know, some council people and decision makers, but to just this, this mirror, I think has gone above and beyond than I would ever expect, uh, from any other mayor, governor, or mm-hmm. even president. He, this man yes. has a great deal of compassion. He even looks like a man that looks like he's got African in his bloodline. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> he really does because when he first spoke I thought he said us like you know black oh. people discrimination and, I, and I'd have to go back that's a few several days ago but when this first happened I thought when he spoke to the crowd he said us that he's like he's identifying oh, with wow, being so he may we don't know that it may yes. be could be a grandmother you know, he's, he's definitely got a kink in his curl. <laughs> well, he cut he cut the curl down. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> he had a major haircut since this happened. Right. You yes, know, uh, yes. it's interesting. So, what, what is your president saying? Or uh, more to the point, what is he not saying? Well, what is he not saying? You know what? <laughs> well, there's okay. I don't know. First of all, the one of the big issues is that he, uh, you know, they began protesting in Washington D.C. And he, uh, just a few days ago, took a uh, uh, a media opportunity to mm. have the White House, uh, you know, send out troops to uh, be attacked by the troops. And, you know, with, uh, you know, they were blowing gas, you know, whatever it is I that they shoot that. out. Yeah. Right, to get rid of them so that he could walk over, over to the church they blocked the perimeters of the warehouse uh, of the White House, so he could walk over to the church, and um, and take an opportunity to stand in front of the church with a Bible in his hand, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and have this little speech. And you know, it was a photo op, and it really made them very. Uh, everybody's been upset, not only with what he said, but also to, you know, his his. Uh, that whole act of going in front of the St. John's church to take that photo op. So, excuse me. So, uh, you know, so the other thing people feel that, you know, he's not really speaking out, approaching. Of course he said, Oh, it's a terrible thing, but Mm. not addressing that there's anything wrong or that there's, he's uh, denying that there's any institutionalized racism within uh, the police departments. Now, what made him an authority all of a sudden when this man is clearly has empowered police officers who are racist to disrespect and devalue the lives of people of color from the moment yes. that he got in. This is not new. Yes. So this yes. is the issue. And I think this is why one of the reasons why we are where we are today from the onset that he became president 
it became all about the the rise of racism and nationalism and that sort of thing. Absolutely. There, this is undeniable. So it's it's synonymous. So what we're yes. seeing to get to this place where we are socially, the political, uh, social and political up, uh, up, uprise and unrest mm-hmm. is all sparked because of a Donald Trump. That's why we've seen racism and as a xenophobia uh, rise, not just here, all, increase, all over the globe, all over the globe, yes. right? Yes. That's why you have a yes. Boris Johnson. And uh, what was yes. your, the, the PM before uh, Boris Johnson? That left the uh, woman. Um, oh, Theresa May. Theresa May. Mm. You know, and she wasn't able to get the Brexit. That whole Brexit was just yeah. Huge. So you see, that's all divisive, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. That's all about. It's all this move to, you know, make America great again, make Britain great again, build the it's, wall, build yes. the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the Mexicans don't want the wall anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, In fact, some, and to some degree, the Mexicans are like, okay, yeah, build that wall so we build don't have to deal wall. with that crazy yeah. man like this. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of things he's, you know, he's not acknowledging. He's, you know, and he's full of idiotic things, uh, you know, that he has, has to say or tweet yeah, I uh, saw a video a couple of days ago where um, I don't know who's addressing. He was outdoors, but he briefly mentioned the George Floyd situation um, and and proceeded to say it's a great day for America. I'm, I'm sure George Floyd would be you that's know, right. really proud and all this. And I thought, proud? The man's dead. How can you say it's a great day? I, you know, this it was just ridiculous. That really made several people upset. Like, for example, I would say the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, and you know they've been talking to the news media has been speaking to many people about this, and she was just disgusted by his comment. You know, saying that you know what he said was just disgusting. But at the same time, here is an African American mayor. Speaking of mayors of Atlanta. I mean, a lot of the mayors are getting all kind of heat from the protests, Black Lives Matters, and all the people mm. are jumping in. They're putting so much pressure on the mayor. She was booed and harassed by her, you know, by the people of that uh, uh, constituents of that city and, wow. and, and outsiders and just treated just horribly. And she For had... what reason, though? You know what? They were upset with uh, uh, Keisha Bottom because it had to do with um, while they were protesting. And I I believe, again, this had to do with the pressure to uh, divest in uh, the police department. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they were out protesting and... uh, and, you know, she says, this is not what's going to happen with our po- uh, police officer, our police department, you know, to think that we're just going to get rid of it. And so uh, it was just, they gave her a hard, hard time, a really wow. hard time. It was hard to see, you know, I will mm. say that it was really hard to see when they booed her like that. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, I feel like, 
you know, a lot of their hands are tied anyway. They can't just jump up and make decisions like that. It's it, it's bigger than that. It, it, I don't feel it's that easy for them to just jump up and make decisions like that anyway. Right. Wow. So, you know, but at the same time, you know, she's, she's a, this a Keisha Bottoms. She's also saying, you know, that she has concerns for her own, for African-American children, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and their safety and so forth. But, uh, and she has, you know, how now all parents, African-American parents and parents who have African-American male children or, and female children of color now have to have that conversation if they didn't have that conversation. I don't I know, know if you're aware of that. So that's the mm. big thing that, you know, you're seeing, um, what now's the time with your very, very young children that their innocence is removed. Uh, that, that is, that is heartbreaking. You have to have that conversation about how to stay alive, how to be safe, how there is racism and in, in this world and what it means because of the color of your skin that you could lose your life innocently. How do you have that conversation with a, uh, a, a 10, a seven year old, an eight year old, wow. 13 year old. You have to have that conversation. Yeah. And, and it's necessary, obviously in the face of what has been happening, right. but let's, you know, just hope that things do get to a point where, you know, things really do change. And I think it starts at the point of, you know, it definitely starts at the point of policy and lawmaking and, and this kind of thing where it's, you know, there's more harsher punishments because I don't believe that, you know, what's what's been going on and what's happened to our black men and women, mm-hmm. both across the pond and here in the UK, where these police officers are allowed to just be lawless, mm-hmm. is because they know there's not going to be a harsh punishment. You know, it's really hard. So, I mean, you can look at this in different cities too, because I was listening to a couple of other podcasts, casters, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know where the casters came from, but podcast the, uh, this morning and <clears throat> the discussion, well, even from last week, everyone's talking about uh, justifying the, uh, the, the looting and the protesting, but the damage and the burning and the looting, right? Yeah, because you're destroying your community. Your community, your city, your this, your yeah, that. Now, it's one that's thing. That's the way. Now, I do agree with, well, this is what I agree with. Of course, I agree with protesting. I agree yes. with, um, with, you know, hitting the establishment in the pocket. I agree with that. Uh, and there's other ways to do that. I think there's ways that we can move the... Uh, the Wall Street gauge in this country to say, you know what, we we could shut this down and we could do it yes. economically. We don't have to burn and loot to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. <laughs> I yes. want to see. That's what I'm talking about. True, organized, you know, yes. thought out, intentional, deliberate impact. Mm. Yes. That and if we can prove that we could do that we can prove that we can run our own own corporations we can open up our own banks it takes this concerted organized 
effort because I believe we can do it. You know, there was a black wall street in, and and in fact, it was burnt down really about 99 years ago in the month of May, which was in Oklahoma city. Wow. Yeah. And uh, a devastating thing where there was true, true black economics that was thriving in this country. And it was intentionally burnt down all because of due to racism. And I mean, and they had troops, they had, you know, from the local people to the police to, you know, federal troops, they just murdered and, and burnt down, uh, this, this economic platform that was mm. building, who knows what it would be a hundred years later today. Yeah. today. So, you know, so it's like Al Sharpton said, if every turn, you know, in this country, every, I mean, how many millions of stories are there where clearly you, we've had the knee of white supremacy in our back, in our neck. Yes. I heard him say that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, so just, you know, circle back to what I was saying. My point is, I don't want to get too far off, but about, uh, the burning and the looting. I mean, I, there's one thing, anger is one thing. Then there's, you know, okay. Opportunity because part of this is just, it's just an opportunity to just Mm. snatch, burn and take everything that I want. That's, Mm. that's the other thing. Then the other, Mm. the other faction is the people who have nothing to do with the community who come out and filter in and, uh, you know, undercover, you know, covering their face, not because of COVID all in black that come in these communities to create destruction. The other thing for me, I will say this, Colleen, and I know it happened in during, um, uh, the Occupy movement. And I saw it happen in Oakland. There were people that had nothing to do with true Occupy other than to create destruction. But what they also do, and I don't know if there's kind of like a double agent side to this, but mm. some of them, I believe, get monies to destroy because ultimately the cycle is when you burn something down, you make a whole path available way for new, the new established investors. <laughs> and after the Occupy movement here, all the areas around in Oakland quickly gentrified. Right. And guess who you see less of? Yes. So there's a cycle mm. to some of this and everybody's yes. not in it for the right reasons. I totally believe that. I absolutely totally believe that. Wow. So I just wish that, you know, on a protesting side of it, that we get a real, you know, uh, big view of this stand back and look at it, not just short term in the impact now, yeah. Look at a longer term impact. Now, it's one thing to, let's say, for the Black Lives That Matter, Black Lives Matter movement uh, to say, you know, we want to we want to lay out some social policies, you know, and political and economic policies we want to have. And this is and it's not just them, but I'm just saying all the people that come to the table, you mm-hmm. know, this is a time to uh, talk about, you know, address race equity in the justice system, social policies, uh, the, the economic uh, policies, economic policies, health, education, yes. housing, jobs, welfare, commerce, insurance, 
you know, on all other industries, not just from yes. the job level, from uh, in, in investment shareholder level, just creating equity all across the board. So this is an onion skin and it's not just one area that you can approach when we're talking about yes. the wealth that's been created has been created over 500 years. Yes. You know, going back to the wealth that was created in other parts of the globe from, you know, from the UK to Portugal to Spain. This is why this movement to me right now is so important. I'm glad to see that it has this impact. I just hope in all those different countries, the people that are protesting and that are looking for impact and change will look at it from a big picture and yes. not just from one small slice of pie today. Right. But have I, it. I, yeah, I'm not sure that people, you know, I'm not sure everybody is going to be able to do that, like what you just said, like looking at the bigger picture, because people are so into like today, tomorrow. Right. You know, just just next week, but they're not thinking next year, five years, ten years from now. Right. You know, which is, you know, a lot of day to day, the way people think. I really, I really do feel like I said earlier that this is going to be a momentous time in history. It is already a momentous time in history because never before have we seen, maybe not since the civil rights movement, seen this kind of mobilisation. I mean, I've seen some powerful things mm -hmm. um, on social media of people, you know, of, you know, like I saw some images of nation, the nation of Islam, mm. you know, marching some images of... Um, uh, black Jews, that kind of thing, yeah. Wow. So I, yeah, I've just seen some powerful stuff that has just sort of like sent chills through me, and I feel like that is telling me that this is a big time of change. You know, with that note, I want to say I came across something that apparently was in the New Yorker, and I just want to share yeah. this. I thought uh, <clears throat> so. The founders of uh, or organizers of Black Lives Matter movement, Black Lives Matter movement, which began in 2013, so it's three ladies, women, yeah, yeah, Opal Tometi, Patrice Cullors, and Alicia Garza. And actually, I went to a, a, a event on uh, Black uh, uh, leadership uh, nonprofits, and Alicia Garza was one of the speakers. It was at Google, and that was last year. But anyway, so there was a question to uh to her uh and she says you know what i feel that what's happening now is different from other times and i thought you know it'd be interesting you know what's her take on this yeah and yeah um pretty much <clears throat> what she says that is that she believes that uh People are concerned with police brutality, and she says that they've been fighting and advocating to stop the war on black lives. And, but at this time, you know, even though the system is filled with inequality, injustice, implicit biases, and, and it's all embedded, in, and even though they focus on policing, but I'm just going to say what she says. But mm -hmm. anyway... She says that the thing that's making, they feel that's making a difference that this time that might be a little different, that uh, the agenda 
that uh, the protesters are talking about, like as, as far as equality, policing, and jobs, that at this point, this is an opportunity that, that now with the attention and what we know based on the history, that the, there's going to be a different conversation now, unlike the ones before, even though, you know, right, but that the conversation at the table all over the globe, we hope, and let's just say starting from here, is that there's a different yes. set of realities. There's a different set of awarenesses today. Also mm-hmm. with, you know, uh, internet and technology and all of the lives that have been lost that now we know evident because of technology, Yes. even though it's been going all along. She says yes. that the difference is that now it's amplified and the conversation and the demand yes. at the table has to be different. And that's all across the globe. globe. I suppose she's, she's what you've just explained about what she said is basically what I was trying to say. I feel like that everything, you know, the conversation has to be different. Again, Mm -hmm. I I feel like policy has to change so that, that there's accountability and that's what we need. Now we need a lot more accountability for what's been happening because there has been people getting away with murder literally right okay so the accountability social media like i said has played a massive part the fact that we've all been locked down and everybody's been using devices that's why people and people are sharing and sharing and sharing across all social media platforms that's why everybody knows about this george floyd situation if you ask these millennials about um oh crikey What's his name? That Rodney King. Mm. They may not know who he is. The millennials were just about born, or just about being born, or not even conceived. Right. So exactly. Know about Rodney King. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. So it, they wouldn't it, even it know how to have to... outrage. You know. Yes. Right. <laughs> how to begin to have outrage. You know, I mean, other... I remember that Rodney King's. I remember watching those riots. Oh, are you kidding? Like, it's still so fresh in my mind right now. I mean, not wow. even a riot. It's just when they were beating him in that parking yes. lot in the at night, and it was several it was officers night. around yes. taking turns. Yes. You know? And it just, you know, and, and, and fast forward, what was that, 1992, 93, around then? Yeah. Okay. And now we fast forward almost 30 years later, 28, 29, and we're still seeing the same thing on the streets of America and in the UK. It's just unacceptable. This, it's unacceptable. And I do, I, I tell you what, there will be a revolution if things do not change. The revolution is happening. The revolution is coming. The revolution will not be televised as Gil, <laughs> Gil Scott Heron. <laughs> yes. The yes. revolution will not be televised. It will not be televised. Okay. It's coming. It is coming because I just, I, I, I know that people get it. Yeah. You can't deny the evidence that's in front of you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? I, I gotta say this, that also with the, uh, uh, the whole, uh, protest and someone, uh, had sent a, uh, 
a, a little brief video and it was a Bob Marley song, you know, uh, burning and loading. And I just, just a couple of lyrics. It's like this morning I woke up in a curfew. Oh God, I was a prisoner too. I couldn't recognize the faces standing over me. They were all dressed in uniforms of brutality. How wow, many rivers, so right? How many rivers do we have to cross before we can talk to the boss? And all we got is scenes we have lost. We must have really paid the cost. And that's why we're burning and polluting tonight. Burning and polluting tonight. Burning an illusion tonight. Stop them. Wow. Right. Weeping and a wailing. Bob Marley was so ahead of his time. But he spoke of a revolution, global, freeing all pe- men of color, women and women and people of color, you know, around the globe. Yeah. Yeah. And just think this was like, what, circa 76, I guess. Yeah, something like so that. I was going to say 77, 8. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this is what I'm saying, you know, today we're still sort of trying to fight these injustices and how much longer can we keep fighting these injustices? You know, we can't. I mean, enough is enough. I agree. No justice, no peace. That's it. No justice, no no peace. No no peace. peace. And that's all over the globe. How about that? That's that's it. No justice, no peace. I mean, these four officers in this George Floyd case, they need to get some serious convictions. Otherwise, no justice, no peace. Yeah, there's not going to be any peace. And I think they have to make examples of these men. They just have to do the right thing. And that will send a resounding message to all these other law enforcement officers uh-uh, not anymore. Right. Not anymore. You can't get away with this anymore. It's just the time. World is watching. The world, the world is, watching. is watching. And the world not wants just justice. Right. The world wants justice and the world wants peace and the right. world wants equality. Right. Equality. Everywhere. This is big. And it has to start somewhere. You know what it it feels makes me feel remind me a little bit of of what was going on in South Africa at the peak, you know, when the media was oh, showing all the stuff that oh, was going was on there. Yes. And, you know, and I remember how, how I felt and I was angry and I was a young college student and, mm. and Ron Dellums, who eventually became mayor here, but he was a U.S. representative led, uh, the whole fight on Congress about divesting America must and America corporations must divest from and pull their monies out of South Africa. And that yeah. impact lasted for uh, for uh, a couple of decades almost. Yeah. Before, yeah. remember, before, and then Nelson Mandela eventually was freed? Yes. So yeah. we have to, even, you know, here in the U.S. and in everywhere to have a real impact. I mean, I appreciate the Black Lives Matter and their agenda, but I was reading mm-hmm. some of the things that, you know, was indicated, even though this was just based on an article and maybe it wasn't so, you know, uh, you know, it was a soundbite of an article and what she had to uh, say. But for me, uh, you have to think, you know, whoever's going to be sitting, the people that are going to be sitting at the table, all the people, because it's not Mm going to be just one set of people, but Mm -hmm. all the people that are sitting at the table have to 
realize that the impact that we need uh, you know, the protesting is all fine because I think she says things like what we want is people to have the freedom to protest, people to have, uh, you know, to be able to say what they need to say without being arrested. You know, a lot of the things that I call kind of short term, you know, and she says immediate justice. Okay, that's fine, too. But we mm-hmm. do need the real long term thought leaders to to be the people that are at the table to really have really long-term impact and not just here and all over the world because another 10 years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, what's this? 20 years, 30 years, this same thing could be happening all again. If it's not, we can't have that. We can't have that. Exactly. That that just can't happen. And I don't know, I mean, the protests still continue. It's been two weeks yesterday since his death, right? Right. And across the world, people are still protesting, and it doesn't look like they're going to ease up. It's like, we want change, and we're not going to stop until we see change. I mean, that's how I feel here in the UK, with what's happening here, and just watching it play out. And, you know, I don't really watch the news, but I know, obviously, there's mm-hmm. so much happening in the world. I ha- I really have to watch the news to keep abreast of what's going on. Right. And just looking, because even at Oxford University, there's a plinth of another a guy that was big in the, um, his name's Cecil Rhodes, I believe, that was also big in the slave trade. They're also pushing now, and they're marching, and they're going to be protesting. That has to come down, you know. So this, this is the, these are, you know, significant changes, and this is just the start of change. Exactly. There's bigger changes to come. Removing these these pl- plinths and statues of these slave traders is the beginning, because we don't want these people honoured. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important. Is now it is now's the time. Point. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. Get rid of it. Now that you know people are standing in, in global solidarity from Costa Rica to the Netherlands to, you know, France, England, uh Africa, you know, yes. uh uh the Caribbean. Uh yes. you know, um all, all over, over oh world. Japan. Yes. At the protest last week, I, I met some Australian, um, these newsmen that were there from Australia. And I was like, you're from Australia? And it was like, yeah. I was well, like, okay. You know, and I also saw a article where um, there was, uh, not an article, I'm sorry, this is also on viral media, but uh, someone in um, West Africa, let's say he's some speaker or in some level of politics, that was just had righteous indignation and he took about maybe three or four minutes and said, you know, we want America to know that we, uh, people of, of African pan-Africanism all over the world, that we're not going to tolerate this, not in America, not in, uh, Australia amongst the Aborigines, not anywhere on the globe. We're going to stand up because all black people all over the world, we represent one. And we're not going to tolerate this anymore all over. This is solidarity. And this is the thing that has to happen globally. Yes. Oh, gosh. Totally. And that's what's happening. The leaders are coming out. The Ghanaian president has come out. And he. I was actually listening to a statement that they read out at the funeral for from him. And, you know, 
it was just wonderful to kind of hear that and to know that, you know, these leaders, black leaders around the world are, are, are standing side by side with you guys in the United States and fighting for justice for all. Today, we recognize Brian Stevenson, law professor and author of the New York Times bestseller, Just Mercy, that was adapted as a major motion picture starring Michael B. Jordan. A graduate of the Harvard Law School, Stevenson has received over 40 honorary doctoral degrees, a recipient of the Thurgood Marshall Award, named as one of the world's greatest leaders. He's recognized as one of the world's 100 most influential people. He is responsible for launching the Legacy Museum and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. In 2018, Stevenson received the Martin Luther King Jr. Nonviolent Peace Prize Award, and he continues to work on anti-poverty and anti-discrimination efforts that challenges inequality in America. He rise, he rose. Brian Stevenson is our sister love hero. Yes, we honor you, Brian Stevenson, and we thank you. We thank you. And we know you're probably doing some work somewhere regarding this whole George Floyd situation and what's going on in America, and you're fighting the cause for justice. That's right. That's what you do. So we're going to keep that cause going. But with that, do you want to contribute? Uh, that's it for today. Yeah, that's it for today. I think we've had, you know, I mean, we could have probably spoken for four hours, really. Um, Absolutely. No, we have to keep it to an hour. We're going to keep it brief, but this is to be continued for sure. To be continued. To yeah. Because there's still a lot that's still going on, so we're going to sort of have more conversation about it so we can check in and see where everything's at and, yes. and, and whether justice is and has been served. And we'll continue with uh, not only our sheroes, of course, but I think that we need to show that sister loves brothers that love sisters. And so we'll continue with uh, our uh, with He Rise and He Rose. Yes, absolutely. So with that, this is Song B. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.